But he's got like, you know, all of his brothers, sisters, everyone, his family is very like successful, hardworking, kind of like nose to the grindstone, get it done people. And I feel like that's a, a big testament to his mom. So I love a little mom talk um, and just knowing where people come from and getting shit done. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, but yeah, we, we talk about getting into the business. We talk about his time in Ring of Honor. Uh, we talk about Mogul Embassy, all the things he's doing in AEW and Ring of Honor. What Ring of Honor means to him, his career starting in pro wrestling in 1996, to where he's at now, to where pro wrestling is at now. I mean, you think of all the different versions of pro wrestling that this man has seen. So plenty of things for me to pick his brain on. He is a delight of a person. Here he is. This is Prince Nana. <laughs> Well, here we go, guys. Prince Nana here on the show. I am yes. joined by quite literally some royalty, wrestling royalty <laughs> at that as well. Here's my um, analysis of Prince Nana so far. Oh you and gosh. I have, you know, we've been kind of like ships passing in the night. We pass each other in the hallway. We say yes. hey to each other in catering. I'm going to throw this out there. You are like a beacon. I feel like I see you during the day. And I'm like, this guy, you're always in a good mood. You've always got a big smile on your face. Like, you're a good hang. Is that always your disposition? It is. And I think sometimes it's so much my disposition that people are afraid of that. They're like, okay, wait a minute. When he's upset, what actually goes down? And I really try to stay away from that as much as possible because you know, my mother raised me right. My dad, he passed away when I was 10 years old. You know, it was only mom in the house. Luckily, mom was a very strong, you know, black have to be. African yeah. woman. You know, yep. and she, she instilled in us the spirit of positivity. Positivity will get you a longer way than being negative. And that's in every scenario. And that's why I try to smile. I try to, you know, make everyone feel good because we're at work. And the most important thing before you go out that curtain is to make sure that you feel good, that you have that energy, that you have that gift that you're that you're yeah. in you before you walk through those curtains. So one hundred percent, especially so, when I see you. Forget yeah, it. You're, you're the most you're the most up dead gorgeous diva in the back. So I got to make oh sure I my. check you out. Make sure you're good. All right, Renee, you're looking good today. Let's do it. <laughs> Ah, uh, uh, I love it. You're going to be a recurring guest based off of that comment alone. This is great. Um, Okay, so I've got some follow-ups on that because I feel like you and I can both fall under that category of like, people often say that about me, like, oh, you're just always in a good mood and you're always so nice. That's not always true for me. My husband right. could certainly attest to that. What is it like when you get mad? Does shit go down? You know what? I, I just don't like disrespect. 
You know, I, I, I've been respecting people so long in this business, Renee. I started in 96. So there was a different type of like approach to how you were, you know, it didn't matter who you are. There was a certain etiquette that you had in the business. And number one is that you just respect everybody that you're yes. around. You know, I, I don't care if you have a problem with them. If, you know, just, hi, how you doing? You know, hello, nice to meet you. Because you never know who you're going to have to deal with going back down the totem Certainly. pole. Or even when Certainly. you're going up the totem pole. You know, I have a couple of recorded scenarios that some of the boys talk about every now and then where I've blown up. And, and the only reason why I've blown up is because I believe in this business so much. I have, you know, it's so important to me that if something is just maliciously there, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to call it out. That's just I how love I that. That's the only thing that makes me go bananas. But first, you'll see me calm. I'm very cool, calm, collected. What's wrong? How come you're not talking? This and that. And then I'll just go straight to the source. And that's when everything just, you know, uh, ah, and then I'm back. Yeah, um, let them know. Okay. I feel like you've given me so many different things that I want to talk to you about, but I oh, usually man. like to kind of start at the beginning. You mentioned your mom. I've been raised by your mom since you were 10 with your father passing away. Um, I mentioned you being royalty. Um, Let's start with that. And this is not just a gimmick. You do come from, it's it's the Ashanti tribe in Ghana, The Akan people. So the Ashanti region is where my father's side of the family resides. They reside in a village called Kumau. And, you know, there's another village called Kumasi. So there's, you know, within these villages, they have different chiefs and they have different leaders. And my family and, and, and my great grandfather and my grandfather, they had a real good hand in, you know, and obviously my great, 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 great grandfather, you know, they all had great hands in what is, you know, Ashanti today and what it was when it was at its peak. You know, and a lot of people always ask me, well, are you related to Kofi Kingston? You know, that's the first question they ask me. And sure. usually I tell them no. But in all actuality, you know, Kofi is from his family is from the same region that we're from. And, you know, once I actually sit down with him face to face, we're great friends on Twitter. (laughs) 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 But once we once we sit down, finally give a hug, start really talking and digging and talking about family history, I'm pretty sure, you know, we're going to realize how close we are. Uh, as relatives more than Wow, than let's get out that family tree. I would love to see that. That's really- There's a lot of digging, but you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to not have to dig so deep because we're like, I guess we're first generation Americans that came from, you know, other than obviously our cousins through the slave trade, but we're the first generation uh, Americans who traveled from Ghana here. So, you know, it's easier for me to kind of look up my, my family tree. Thank sure. God. When we're talking about the royalty, what exactly does that mean and how does it relate to you? Well, you know, they can come with a goat. All right. With a goat, okay. Renee, okay. at any time of the day. A goat dowry. The goat head. All right. Oh. They would cut the head on my feet and I would be the new chief of the Ashanti tribe. Okay. Right now, the chief is Nano Seyau. All right. Okay, he's the chief of the Ashanti tribe, but you know my name is Nanose Ankra Bando. All right, so I was also named after the great Nanose Yao as well. So, you know, a lot of things can change. This is the new generation of, 
you know, of Africa and the new generation of American Africans and African Americans. So, you know, I'm I'm waiting for that day for them to come with the with the the, the goat, cut it at my feet. All right, and I will uh-huh. be the new chief of the Ashanti. Okay, how, listen. When it comes time to hang up the boots and step away, I mean, I say <laughs> this is something that we should explore. Listen, I'll have you, your kids. You can come on over to Ghana, yes. West Africa. We can have some fufu. All right, what's, what's fufu? fufu? Oh what is my that? God, it's delicious. It's what like sometimes it? it's like a potato, or it can be a plantain, and they mash it up. All right, and then you eat it in a soup with different meats, mm. pork. Chicken, it's unbelievable. Oh, sign it. me up. I would love <laughs> that. That sounds delicious. Listen, any kind of potato. I've never met a potato I didn't like. So <laughs> sign a girl up. Um, okay, so you're from Ghana. You obviously, when did you come to, I know you came in an exchange program, but did right. you come to America before that? Well, you see, this is how it, it actually worked. All right. I was born in Brooklyn. All right. If you want to know the real deal, Prince Nana was born in Brooklyn. All right. Okay. Brooklyn, New York, you know, shout out to all of my my Brooklyn relatives. All right. Are you all still in Brooklyn? Yeah, I have the big home here in Brooklyn. Thanks to the grace of God and thanks to the wrestling business mm-hmm. and my family lineage. You know, I'm able to live nice in Brooklyn, which is very expensive. Right. Yeah, now. it is. But, you know, um, yes. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much, you know, where, where it is. I came, uh, you know, I was born in Brooklyn, went to Ghana. All right you know, learn the heritage there, met my grandmother before she died, both of them, you know, thank God, um, you know, got to explore uh, Kumawu and Kamasi and Ga and Okra, and then came back to the United States with a full vision of what it is that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I, I went to John Dewey High School in Brooklyn, New York, all right? I was the, the most famous student in the school, <laughs> Uh, was the editor of the yearbook, was the senior speaker, was Mr. Everything. Oh, okay, valedictorian. I wasn't the valedictorian, but I was the senior speaker. And I was also the senior coordinator. I was smart, but I wasn't that smart. My (laughs) my friend Manon Shah, who's a big time doctor, (laughs) shout out to him. He was the valedictorian. But, you know, I was a, a great leader at the school. And, you know, while I was being a leader at John Dewey High School, I was also training to be, you know, pro wrestler in in Brooklyn, New York with Johnny Rod. So, okay. you know, my whole transition from when my dad died when I was 10 years old to when I turned 18 was a, a tremendous, tremendous growth and, 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 and uh, experience. No doubt to lose your dad. Did you have siblings? Oh, yes, I have. Uh, five other brothers. It's it's all together. It's five. Wow. Where are you in amongst the brothers? Oh man, you guess where I am based on my career. Guess I think where? I think you're big brother. No, your little brother. I'm the baby. You're the baby. <laughs> okay. Well, I wasn't I'm sure baby. because you had those leadership skills. I was like, maybe he is the older child, and I wasn't you, sure. You know, you what? weren't I, middle. Just... I knew that you weren't middle. I, you know what? I act like the older child. Like right now, I'm like the big brother to everybody. Like, what are you doing? Where are you going? You're going to Puerto Rico? How long? You know, I'm, I'm asking all the, 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 the good questions. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm actually the, uh, the baby. And I'm just lucky to uh, have followed in the footsteps of, uh, of my brothers and sisters who are tremendously, tremendously successful in their fields. Uh, as well. And and we're just as a family, we're just so happy uh, where we are. 
and and we try to like rub some of that off onto our friends and people that we that we know as well. Just I want to break some of that down a little bit because I feel like this deserves a spotlight. <laughs> Probably being Sean on your mother. I'm you know having your dad yes. up until ten years old, and then from ten to eighteen, like you said, those are such pivotal years yes. of who are you. What kind of a man are you going to be? What has been instilled in you? And I guess that's where, you know, you mentioned your mom being this strong woman raising these kids. When did she come to America? She came, she came to America when she was 30. I'm sorry, when she was 25. So okay. this is maybe about six years before I was born. I was born in 1979. And she had already three other kids that were back home with her mother. Uh, and she was kind of getting things in order here. Wow. Uh, yeah, That's always can. fascinating to me when people are making that move yeah. to the United States. And it's like you're taking such a leap of faith yes. in like bettering things for your family, of course, yes. with that being the main objective. But to leave family behind while setting things up like. I feel like that gets kind of brushed over a little bit of like, that's a huge deal for somebody it, to go and do. It is a huge deal, especially when you look at who my sisters are today. You know what I'm saying? Like who my sisters and my brothers are today. Like if we didn't have Doris, we wouldn't have a doctor. You know, we wouldn't have one of the head nurses at Presbyterian Hospital. We wouldn't have an attorney. We wouldn't have a pro wrestler with, you know, ROH and with AEW. None of that. And also a grandson who's about to be a doctor next month. So my mom, she, she got into the workforce in the United States real early, real quick. And she stayed with it for almost 30 years. You know, she broke her back in the hotel trade. She uh, was a leader in that particular role. And whenever I go to the hotels today, you know, I see the ladies cleaning the yeah. I mm-hmm. always, always, always leave five dollars. Uh, you yeah. know, and, and that's something my mom told me to do because she used to also coordinate that department also. And it's very important because. You know, yeah, they're getting paid pretty decently, but that's a lot of heavy lifting and bending and bending up and, yes. and go to the next room. And you're dealing with disgusting stuff. You know, she she definitely busted her butt and she deserves a lot of the accolades for who I am. The rest of the family. For all of you guys, like, wow. Was there, <laughs> did you feel a pressure to be successful? All of oh. you, like, did you guys compete with each other? Like, for oh, you guys all gosh. to be successful in different fields is pretty, like, insane. You know, it's funny that you say compete because, like, my mom didn't want us to compete, but she definitely made sure that we did compete. And she let us know, you know, <laughs> hey, listen, everyone, even though we all take care of each other, I can go ask favors, of, but she, she let us know, hey, listen, everyone's for themselves out here. I don't care who you are. Everyone is for themselves. You got to get your shit together. Got to make sure you have something, you know, that you're focusing on and, and, being in the wrestling business, my mom, she actually supported it, but like didn't want to see me fail sure. because I loved it so much, you know, yeah. when I was a kid. So she couldn't really like differentiate, you know, me loving it from when I was a kid to becoming a business and a brand today. Yeah. The embassy and the mobile embassy and Prince Nana and so on and so forth. So, you know, now when she looks at it, yeah, she looks at it still like, are you leaving next week? Are you staying home? You know, she likes the staying home part. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) I got to get up. You know what I mean? I got to work. But at the end of the day, she's very, very thankful. And and I'm thankful. And, and, you know, it's all a part of the grind. 
You've been doing this at a, a very high level yourself. I see sometimes that you're tired and sometimes you don't want to say hello, but you do. And, and I do, too. You know? Hey, that's what we do. That's what we it, do. it is funny. Like, I guess more so now, too, because I feel like I'm juggling so many different things like right. this. This, you know, going to AW is not my only job. I've right. got this right. to do. I've got a baby to raise. Sometimes right. I'm out doing stuff with the Cincinnati Bengals. So, like, my brain is functioning at a different <laughs> level, kind of. Now than it used to be where before I felt like I had more time to bullshit. Now I'm like, what am I doing? I've got to be somewhere. Exactly. I've got there's, to no to I've got, there's no time. And, you know, I, I, I was telling one of your executive producers this. I had no idea until like maybe two months. I think it was like two or three months ago that you're Moxley's wife. Congratulations, Miss Moxley. I, I, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny as hell because I've known your husband his whole career, he's known me my whole career. Yeah. And it's so great to see where he was and where he is now. And he is one of the only one of the guys from when he was on the Indies to when he went to WWE to where he is now that has always, hey, the man, same. yeah, the same. hey, you know, I get a grunt from him and I'm happy. I'm elated. <laughs> It's Her. funny because I think a lot of people get offended by the grunts. I'm like, it's not, I love it. it's, it's not a personal thing. No, Especially he's, like when he's, he's at work. He's got I a always, thing. He's in his head. Yes. It's so funny because when him and I first started dating, I didn't quite understand that because like we're dating and we're like both at WWE and I would pass him in the hallway and I'm like, oh my God, he like didn't even just look at me. What is going on? And I would take it so personally. And then I was like, oh, he is in the zone, zone. thinking the about zone. his match. He's thinking about a promo. Yes. He's thinking about somebody else's match. Like when we're at work, which is probably why you didn't know that we were married. Oh, a yeah. lot of the times we go completely separate ways different, during different the day. I'm like doing you. my thing. He's doing his thing. And I see him at the end of the show. That's it. And, and I love it because it's like you're completely swamped and, I, and you're writing stuff and you're putting together. But he's getting his stuff together and I'm in the catering area as usual. <laughs> hey, catering's where to be. I love it. I love it's it. definitely it's definitely a beautiful, beautiful thing. Hey, guys, thanks for coming to hang out here on the sessions. A friendly reminder that you can hang out with me in more than one place because I'm also on AMP. Just download the app. Come hang out with us Tuesdays and Thursdays, 830 p.m. Eastern time. Just get a little more sessions in your life. We all need it. Um, okay, so let's get back into 1996 um, oh and gosh. you finding your way into professional wrestling. You're in yes. Brooklyn. You're in New York. You're trying to find a way to get your foot in the door as a yes. professional wrestler. What yes. did that look like back then? Because we had very minimal resources. It was 96, 95, 96. You know, I was in my sophomore year, maybe of high school. I had to beg mom. Uh, oh, mom, please. No, I beg, cried. I'm not doing anything else. I'm not doing football, nothing. But All right, you got to do it. But you got to use your money to do it. and. I did some research, went to the library, made some calls. I even called WWE at one point. I think I wrote them. Uh, you know, I was feeling to get in contact with them as a kid. Sure. Um, so I wrote them uh, and they wrote me back. Like, hey, kid, great. You know, there's a couple of schools we can recommend. They recommended Larry Sharp. Do you remember who responded to you? Like, who would have responded to a letter like that? You know what? I, I, I If I really think deep, I would remember. Yeah. Because I, I, I've spoke to this person a couple of times. <laughs> and actually, I ended up knowing a lot of people over the years just because of my 
you know, I had so much, I had such great skills getting in contact with people and making them respond. Yeah. Uh, it was a woman in the marketing department. Okay. And, you know, I ended up seeing her a couple of times at like some of the WWE house shows back in the day. But anyway, they wrote me uh, and they said, Larry Sharp, you should go train with him. He's in Jersey. But Larry Sharp was too far from Brooklyn for me. I was 16, 15 years old to travel on the train at that time. Yeah. Luckily, I, lo- I found Johnny Rods. I looked at I was like, who the hell? I was like, I never heard of this guy. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? Whatever. Let me go see what's going on. So uh, I went there as a 15 year old and I spoke to Johnny Rides and I was a photographer at that time, uh, also in the music industry while I was in uh, high school. And I feel like I this is very similar college. to Paul Heyman's story a little bit. It, it probably is. It probably is. I'm a different type of Paul Heyman. But yeah. I was a photographer uh, in the music industry and I, you know, introduced myself to Johnny and I became a photographer at Johnny Rods school. So I was photographing. Uh, Devon Dudley, Big Vito, the Spanish Angels from ECW, Taz, all of these guys, Tommy Dreamer. Uh, and I started initially training. I had to beg Johnny, too, uh, when I was about 16 years old. And I had to get permission and I had to get a waiver signed. And I was the first young student at that time that Johnny had ever trained. Everyone that he ever trained before that were like grown men, 18 and over. And like, not 18 and over, they're probably 20 and over. Whatever. Yeah. And that's how I got in. I, I used to, you know, do photographs for Johnny. We used to do all of the promo photographs. And then I became a referee. And I went through a lot of harsh, 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 vigorous training. I'm telling you, like, the training I went through, was it was not easy training. Yeah. And I still remember it today. Still something that I use. And I'm still in the way that I work and so on and so forth. Thank God I had guys like Big Vito and Devon Dudley around that were able to throw me around and show me like the different techniques on protecting myself, so on and so forth. Yeah. And, and Prince Nana was born from there. Like my first match was probably with Johnny Rods' uh, school, which at that time he just called it the Johnny Rods Academy. And since I was so creative and savvy and I was like, I told you the editor of the yearbook that I actually um, started doing Johnny Rod's programs for him okay, uh, and, and all of his event flyers. And I was like, Johnny, let's just name your school the world of unpredictable wrestling. He was like, wait a minute. Wait, I like that. And, and it stuck. And he still calls it that today. Uh, And it's a beautiful thing. And since then, I was just creating and creating. I've helped guys with their wrestling names. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've helped, you know, people with faction names. And, you know, the embassy name was born and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's kind of funny to think back to, like, what that time was, like, late 90s, when you really just had to hit the pavement and, like, figure it out wear a bunch of different hats. How can I get in there in some way? Yes, I'll be the photographer. Yes, I'll do the program. Yes, Yes, I'll be the referee. Yes, Yes, I'll do whatever. Where I'm not saying that it's not. I'm sure people still have to like grind like that today. But now it's just like, no, I'm a wrestler. And this Mm -hmm. is a thing that I do. As opposed to like, no, let me spin all these different plates until somebody's going to take a chance on me. Like, I just feel like that's changed a lot in the last like 10 years. Oh, because of social media and, yeah. and because, you know, everyone's so smart. They know how to make money and they don't need to grind anymore. Back then, you really had to hit the pavement, like you said, and make a name for yourself. And, yeah. and if you wanted to be in the wrestling business, yes, you had to have all these hats, but you had to be known for one hat. 
You could do the other hats, but you had to be known for one hat. When I was in the music industry also, I would focus on chasing these artists down, doing photography for them. Uh, And I really got fed up with that at one point in time. And I said to myself, you know, I can't, if I want to be the star, you know, no offense to these stars, and I love them to death, and I love working with them, and I love helping to enhance them, but I want to be the star, yeah. you know, and I wasn't being selfish. So I just put all those hats down, even though I can do them. I would get bookings from people out for $2,000 to do photography. But because my love and my focus was in professional wrestling, I, I kept my focus there. And I was able to build my brand and, and keep the awareness, you know, uh, of who I am, you know, in front of WWE and in front of those type of companies yeah. at that time, Ring of Honor. And hey, if they weren't going to use me at that time, at least I was able to keep practicing because I always sure. looked at the independence and I always looked at companies that weren't on the major scale as like a chance for me to practice. If I was able yeah. to make a couple of extra dollars, of course, that's great. And, you know, I'm not the type of guy to work for free, but, you know, practicing at these indie shows, that's what got me where I am today. I mean, it's so- for some people it's five years. For some people, it's 20 years. It took me 20 years, but I, I wouldn't change a thing. Being able to do get that practice in when you can kind of fly under the radar, you can try things out. This works. This doesn't work. The stakes aren't as high. You can oh, yeah. kind of just like mess around a little bit and, oh, yeah. and hone your craft in. Right. And now I almost feel like a little bit bad for people that are coming up now where it's like everything's on the Internet, everything's recorded, everything's got a spotlight, everything is being like devoured in a certain way where I don't know, like I always feel lucky that I was able to like learn who I was as a broadcaster, like on a show that nobody was watching. Right. When you see someone, they're like, cool, you're ready. You know, the red lights on the spotlights on you and they're not ready for that. And then you crumble on that big stage. It's very unforgiving. It's very unforgiving. And I try to tell as many of the new guys now, hey, listen, go out there, find a company that is up and coming, mm-hmm. you know, or a company that is out there doing their thing. Implement yourself into that company yeah. and start working your ass off to make that company the it company of that. Company. That's really and that's smart. all we ever did. That's all yeah. we did. The New York guys. We went out to these companies. We worked hard with each other. We did some crazy stuff, but we made sure that we practiced. We did it safe. And we made sure we knew in our hearts that we were the best at what we did. And and the fruits of that labor from doing those small little shows is what it is today. And there's a lot of other stories like that. Like there was a company, Pro Wrestling Syndicate, back in the day. Mm -hmm. That was a very small promotion. There's a lot of stars that came out of that company. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. If you really dig deep. And there's so many other stories out there. And I always tell new pro wrestlers and managers and girls and guys, get off the Internet. Yes. Internet is your tool to market, not your tool to dwell. To validate or dwell or whatever. Yeah. You don't have to like everyone's post to think they like. No, we don't want that. We just want you to update us on what you got going on. And if you want to go on a rant, you can go on a rant too. But we're not, you don't have to just sit and rely on what's going on on the internet, on on your social media to validate who you are. 
it's funny because when you look at pro wrestling and you can feel from the crowd whether they're right. into something or not, you it's right. like that theater reaction. You get the applause, you right. get the booze, you get the yays, you get all those things, yet you still want to like double down on it. Check your Twitter, see what people are saying. It, you need to get like all of those reactions, but it's nice if you can not do that and just, I mean, if it's the people always that are to, there, feel it, go off of that. They'll go off on it. And it's good to look at your Twitter and laugh at the good and the negative because people sure. can say whatever they want. And it's just good that people are talking and it's a tool to get your name out there a little bit sure. more. So social media is a great, you know, enhancement tool for today's wrestler, but nothing gets you signed more than the work. Yes. You know, whether you're in the ring, whether you're a reporter, like you need to, figure out what your uh, deal is and yep. just do it. Take criticism from some of the people that are the pros today, implement it into what you're doing and keep moving forward. As you keep going up the ladder, help people. Because yep. you know, one of my biggest, biggest, the biggest thing that I've learned growing up, and this was from a camp that I went to, it's called Camp Dudley. That's where I get it from Camp Dudley. It's the oldest boys camp in America. But one of the sayings that we have, and I live by this, and it's really something I believe in, the other fellow first. It's not about me. It's about my brothers and sisters. Like, I can extend a hand to help someone, you know, I would do that and put them in front of me and for them to be okay and then yeah. worry about myself afterwards. And that's why I am the way I am back with the highs and stuff like that, because yeah. I just, it's not about me. Like, I already am a superficial screen being, you know, so it's my job to move you up. Okay, so you come in the business 96. We're now in 2023. Jesus Christ. I know, right? <laughs> wow. Buckle up. Um, You've seen so many different versions of what pro wrestling is oh, and what it is now. Talk to me about what some of those like tent pole things are you know, that have gone from from point A to where we are now. You know, I was talking to a couple of guys the other day and I said to them, and you know, they looked at me like I was crazy, but you know, hey, I'm crazy. But I said to them, hey, you know, back in the day when I was wrestling, I enhanced a move. No, what move is this? <laughs> because they're looking at Prince Nana like he's a complete move. I was like, yeah, it was the, the move where you run and you splash the guy in the corner and then you hit the ropes and then you hit them with, the, with your ass. Okay. I said, when, when I started wrestling, I started doing that first. I was like, I don't know who was doing it, but I know that in the popular areas that I was in New York, where it was popping, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of you guys don't know about that because you weren't around. You were like kids, and you know what I'm saying? But yeah. in that time frame, everyone was watching that stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I was one of the guys doing these new innovative moves. And I said, I was that the guy that started doing that first. Oh, it was Rakishi. And I was like, listen, I love Rakishi. He was doing moonsaults and stuff like sure. that. Like, give me one move. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. You know, give me so, the stink face. Come on. He did the stink face with the whole, I didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't like throw my ass and indulge in that. You know what I'm saying? Look great for him, not for me. You know what I'm saying? And with me, it was a running ass boom, hit them in the face, move off. It's things like that. You know what I'm saying? Because it's been so long and 
those days seem so dark now, like it's been so long. Like one of my greatest inspirations in the wrestling business is a gentleman by the name of Jim Kettner. You know, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he was one of the, the gentlemen that created the Super 8 tournament at that time. Every year was one of the most elite tournaments to be in. And it was like, if you were in that tournament, the next year you were getting signed to the WWE and oh, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So there were like different things back then that kind of differed from the way it is today. I think today the, the wrestling scene is a little bit congested. Sure. You know, and, and I think that's because there aren't as many official pro wrestling schools like there used to be. Because you got to remember back in the day, it was like, OK, in order to be known as a professional, you know, who's your trainer? Did they work at WWE for more than 10 years? Are they a legend? Oh, you didn't know. This person's no good. So it was kind of like people would actually look at that. But these days you meet people, some of them signed to AEW. You're like, where'd you train? They're like, I'm self-taught. Yeah. And I respect that too. The thing that I respect about that is that, okay, they learned, you know, in the backyard, but they also took the time to learn as they, as they went. You understand what I'm saying? So the ways that we did things back then and the way things are now, they're definitely different. I think the main story to all of this is to do the work, you know, get in that ring, get on that camera, get on your microphone, get on your computer and write some shit down and closed mouths don't get fed. You know, if you have ideas, I think it's best that you pass them along. Don't sit on them because, you know, what, what else gets the grease, right? Exactly. What else do you have to lose? By the way, I got to have you like my embassy. Well, MC I was just going to ask you about this. OK, <laughs> so let's get into some Ring of Honor talk and all this stuff oh that you're gosh. doing between Ring of Honor, AEW, uh, now with um, Mogul Embassy. <laughs> This little hot combination that we've got going on. Um, but let's talk. Let's talk Ring of Honor first. Um, you know, so much of your the duration of your career there to now seeing what Tony Khan has been doing with Ring of Honor under the AEW umbrella. How has that changed what Ring of Honor used to be to what it could be now? You know, Ring of Honor had deep pockets. All right. When Sinclair Broadcasting, they had deep yeah. pockets. But I'm going to be straight up. I don't care. Abuse of power, mm-hmm. you know, and and they didn't necessarily know they were abusing the power. So I don't yeah. want to make it seem like, you know, whatever. But when Carrie Silken. What a nice guy he Carrie is, Silken, huh? Shout out to Carrie. But when Carrie shout Silken out. owned the business, he had his heart and soul and he had his foot in the business. He had his foot in it. And, you know, it, it was his thing. It was like, this is for me, like, you know. And I kind of feel that with Tony. And that's why the juices are flowing again, because he, as an individual who loves pro wrestling and that he is the new CEO of this famous, you know, world acclaimed company, he does not want to see this lose under his uh, direction. So that's why Ring of Honor, anyone who's on the roster right now, anyone who's working right now, is very lucky that we're working under this new administration. And don't get me wrong, we have people who, you know, really loved what they were doing during the last administration, but they're just, it was too, the structure was way too corporate. This one is corporate also, but, you know, the people that owned it really didn't care about it. It was just like something they bought because it was like, oh, it might make some yeah. money, whatever, this and that. 
Tony's not worried about the money right now, even though money is an it's issue. a passion move for Tony more exactly. so than it just being about exactly. the business. Of course, business is business. And, you know, of the course. man makes money based off of that. But when you see the passion of what he cares about in pro wrestling and being able to funnel those of things course. together is really of cool. Of course. And it's a beautiful thing to see Renovana go from a company that, you know, a lot of people don't know. I, I did a lot for the company behind the scenes as well. To see it go from being what it was to what it is today, almost like a cornerstone for the rest of the major companies in America and, and, and in the world. Yeah. So I'm just glad to see that it's doing well. Glad to be back as one of the you know cornerstones in the company. Out of everyone that's on the roster ever, I think like I was able to bring the most character to the company and continue to you know, bring that character to the company in a different way with beasts like Brian Cage and Gates of Agony, you know, who are killing it right now as the six-man world champions. And then on the flip side of things with cool comic collected Swerve Strickland. This guy. Let me Talk tell you to something. me about Swerve, oh that gosh. guy. Let me tell you something. I, I've known Swerve Strickland his whole career. And to see him go from the day one when I met him, hi, how are you? Hey, hi, how are you, sir? Nice to meet you, sir. To who he is today. Yeah. Unbelievable. So proud of him. Um, he is going to be a problem. He is going to be a problem in the wrestling industry. Give it yeah. six more months of what we have planned and what we're going to put together and the affiliates that we have involved that we're going to be bringing into the picture. Renee, <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited to see. You remember the last time we had a, a, a burger together? We're going to have some shrimp cocktail together <laughs> yeah. next time. All right. That was a good Guaranteed. burger, but I will take you up on a little shrimp cocktail. <laughs> Let's go. Let's get a little a seafood tower, if you will. You that on ice. I love Let's cocktails. Go. Um, <laughs> Swerve really does like watching him, like, of course, watching him in the ring and watching him as a performer, he's outstanding, but seeing the way his mind works and the hustle behind the things that you can see that he wants to accomplish, not so much. I would even say that it's a chip on his shoulder, but just like the need to like continue to expand what pro wrestling is. I mean, even when you see like the names from outside pro wrestling that he brings in and wants to attach himself to, and you guys must connect on a certain level. Uh, I mean, you, you know, you came from the music industry as well, but yeah, I mean, just for you guys to have that connection combined with pro wrestling is really neat. You know, right now it's, it's now or never because like everything came together and, and it's not, like I was sitting here like, oh, I got to get close to Swerve because he's working with Rick Ross. Like, I'm not that like I told you, I stopped doing the photography thing to focus yeah. on me. So like, it's nice to meet Rick Ross and it's nice to meet this rapper and that rapper. But we're all trying to feed our families. So that's why we're here. Rick yeah. Ross is showing up to AEW because he loves this stuff and he realizes and recognizes who Tony Khan is, who Swerve is what the embassy mogul is about, and they want to be involved with it. And that's why I fell in love with Swerve. Swerve learned the craft for the last 15 years, did it at a level where he was just, you know, hey, putting guys over, hey, I'm just here, you know, not really being too loud, you know, because he knew there were people in front of him doing great, phenomenal matches. Some matches were great. Some matches weren't great. He learned, he cried, he has kids, so on and so forth. Now, 
you know, with everything he's learned and the connections he's made, you know, and with the things that I've learned and the connections I've made, people I've worked with in the music industry and the people I've worked with in the wrestling industry together. It's about to be popping off. Oh, my gosh. It, it, together, uh, it's going to be nuts because already the people outside of the industry are looking like, OK, we want to be a part of this. What can we do to enhance this more? Well, you know. And, and me and Swerve now are on a different level of our relationship. Like our relationship before was great, but now it's even more better because I guess deep down inside, and I didn't know this, but deep down inside, maybe I wanted to work with Swerve, you know, okay. and he probably didn't know it. He wanted to work with the embassy and me. So like they're going on right now. It's a match made in heaven. I just feel sorry for a lot of the pillars and all of these different things, all these things I hear. All right. I really feel sorry for these guys because, you know, it's time for us to take what's what's ours. What? I'm sorry to stop talking crazy like that on the show. Renee. No, I love it. Let it fly. It's true. I mean, you look <laughs> at your career, you look at what Swerve brings to the table. I think this new unit coming together is definitely perking a lot of interests. Don't get me wrong. Brian Cage is a monster, too. Sure is. He, he's my original monster. And, and I think since I came here, through the grace of God in July. Yes, we've lost a couple of matches, but there's no force greater than the mobile embassy. What all do you guys want to accomplish when you look at maybe it's other acquisitions that you guys are bringing into mobile embassy? We've got this gigantic roster, whether you're pilfering from people in AEW, you're looking at who's on the, the Ring of Honor roster. There's tons of people to kind of pick we're not looking, from. Renee, we're not looking for any slackers. No, no, we're not. Looking, we, you gotta, you gotta be ready to do this. We are at the peak of what we call readiness. We're ready to go out there, ready to move the dial, you know, and mm -hmm. to change the outcome of what people expect things to be. And you'll feel it. You'll see it in the promos. You'll see it in the work in the ring that we're tired. OK, that we're tired of just going through the motions. We do this. We're dangerous people. And I, and I just I don't want to I don't want to stress it. You know, it looks like a joke. Oh, we're in the money, we're in the money. But I'm a very dangerous individual when it comes to this business of wrestling and what we do in the ring, and how the business is uh, presented. So I just want to make that clear to anyone on the AEW and ROH roster that please do not take this as a joke or take this lightly. We're going to be working hard in the ring. We're going to be working hard in the back. We're going to be stretching people. We're going to be politicking. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure that everyone in our stable is happy and that our families are fed and that we can go home with a smile on our face. This is where we're starting. We're starting with Darby. You know, Darby is someone that we've, you know, Swerve has trained him to be who he is today. Look at that match. Yeah. Look at the match he won that yeah. day. The only reason why he won that match against Swerve is because Swerve taught him how to be that way, how to be a beast. Okay. Yeah. And we're just testing him out. And it's on to the next door with Keith Lee, someone else that we need to teach a lesson very soon. And I'm not <laughs> okay. fond of a lot of people. Oh. Right? I, I might say hi, but that don't mean I like you. Sure. You got to be nice to someone's face. Doesn't mean you're going to not feel a different way when they right. have their back to you. I like you. You better keep it that way. <laughs> Watching you. Um, my last question to you, Prince Nana. Oh, man. You've been in this world for such a long time. 
Am I doing the math on this right to say 27 years? It's what it says on your Instagram. Is that right? I've been in the business 20, like 27 years since 90, like some 96, 95. That's, I was trying to do the math on that and I'm, I'm not quite there, but I'm glad that we landed at that number. What do you want your legacy to be in professional wrestling? I want my kids to be able to look back and say, wow, my dad put in a lot of work. He was focused on what he had to do and I want to do the same thing, whether it's be a doctor or whatever it is they want to be and dream of. I want them to know that if they think it, they can do it. Because with this, what I did, it was a dream. I used to have posters on the wall and stuff like that. And I knew that in order to get to that dream, I had to put in work. And as long as I have that story, whether I make it on the big stage or, you know, a bigger stage or whatever you want to call it, at least that story is there for them to look and say, wow, my dad was able to do that. So I know that I'll be able to do this. And my legacy in the wrestling business is to be one of the all-time great performers in the business. You know, one of the greatest performers in the business. I'm talking up there with Bobby Heenan. But I just want to be able to be that guy that people say, hey, listen, that guy made a lot of stars. He made a lot of stars, including himself. But he really made a lot of stars, whether they were in the embassy or in the mobile embassy or whether they were opposition to us in a you know story market we make stars from cm punk to tomaso champa to all of these guys you know and i say cm punk because he came into ring of honor after me you know what i'm saying i always look at things like that you know what i'm saying i was working at a high level too and, and obviously he's gotten way higher than me but you know at the same time when i see him I give him a big hug, show him love. The young bucks, I see them, show them. They give them a huge, big hug. Yeah. I see certain guys that I've worked with for the last 20 years, and I don't care what they have going on. I got to give them a hug <laughs> because we wouldn't be here without each other. And the business wouldn't be where it is, you know, with this change and this new, you know, new direction of something really big that people can count on other than the other big thing yeah, wouldn't yeah. be here without yeah. us. And I want to keep on doing that wrestling business. I love that. Well, Prince Nana, I'm so happy I got to have you on here. You are just as fantastic as everybody thinks and knows that you are. Um, I'm looking forward to the shrimp cocktail. Oh, man. Let a girl know. It's going to be delicious. And I will make sure that I set up a time and a date with you very, very soon. So you please do. <laughs> please do. Thank, Thank you, for you so me much. On it's always a, a pleasure to be with you. And, and again, with you, keep doing your thing. You're one of the greatest interviewers in the business. I consider you the Barbara Walters <gasps> of professional wrestling. Oh, I love that. Get that tagline on a shirt. Let's book it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Um, send your best to your mother because she thank just sounds so like an absolute dream. Next time we're out that way, we got to get her out. Definitely got to be. Yes. Thank you so much, Renee. Have a great one. It's going to be hot. It is. Enjoy. <laughs> Bye. Thank you to Prince Nana for hanging out with me. Uh, took a little time for his, his spot in Brooklyn to hang out with me. Um, yeah, hopefully you guys learned a little bit more about him. Love being able to appeal the onions of these subjects. Um, he's great. Um, let me know who else you guys want to hear on the show. I'm open to any and all ideas. Doesn't even have to be wrestling. Who do you guys like? Who do you like? Who do we have access to? 
just listened to Matthew McConaughey on Armchair Expert. What a great conversation that was. Maybe I can get Dak Shepard on the show. Do you think Dak Shepard ever does other podcasts or does he just kind of stick to doing his own? It's more about the output than actually sitting down and doing the podcast. Should float a feeler, slide into a DM. Who knows? Who knows? Um, All right, guys, thank you for hanging out. This has been another episode of The Sessions.